The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. This is a podcast from Minute Media. I'm sitting here with pain so visceral that it is somehow cut through the numbness brought on by mass shootings becoming commonplace in this supposedly great country. Two runs to two different schools are in the books. At each one, that nagging thought that this nightmarish world has foisted upon me was not a dull whisper, but instead an ear-splitting cry of hopelessness and fear. What if I have just delivered them to their death? What if I have just placed them in a situation where their life ends or they are witness to an event that will rob them of their innocence and haunt them forever? You could see it in the watery eyes of other parents who would do anything for their kids but cannot make others do their part. You could see it in the eyes of the teachers who in return for unfair wages and criticisms are asked to lay down their lives for the students in their care. Or even bleaker, be the calming refuge in the final horrific moments of those children's lives. There's nothing to be said that hasn't been said before. It is shouting into the abyss to plea for common sense and basic human decency. Worse is the knowledge that there will be other opportunities. We don't have to live like this, but we do until someone takes that life from us with a weapon of war. And so the cycle continues. Those of us who cannot muster up words sit silently in the hell of it all. Those of us strong enough to string them together offer them up. The brief catharsis lets us know that we are not insane, that it is really this bad. But soon even that is overwhelmed by dread, anger, and the numb return to normalcy. Rinse, repeat. Rinse, repeat. Rinse, repeat. Welcome to the Kyle Coster Show presented by The Big Lead. Look, it has been a horrific few days. Um, There's no other way to say it. I've at times felt enraged. I've at times felt helpless. 
Uh, I think it's one of the hardest stretches I can remember in my 15 years of doing this job. And there's no good way to go about it when real world issues are hanging over us and, and weighing on us and just turning us into these versions of ourselves that we don't want to be and we feel like we can't escape it. And I covered a little bit of that in the lead up. Um, so I just wanted to address that we're going to take a hard pivot here. Um, talk some sports, try to enjoy the things that we enjoy. The time is never right. Um, but eventually it had to happen. That's all of a bit of a bummer of a precursor, but I'm going to allow permission for my guest today, the big leads, Liam McCune to have some fun, to appreciate an incredible run by his Boston Celtics. The Celtics won game five for last night in Miami in convincing and suffocating fashion. They are now just a game from the NBA finals. It's an unexpected run this year. The team started out very pedestrian, locked into form around the all-star break. And you could make the argument that they're the best team remaining in the NBA playoffs if they are to make the finals against the Warriors I will probably be picking them Liam what has it been like to enjoy this magical postseason run from a team which I'm not sure what your expectations were for this team but I have to imagine that they have far exceeded them past the point of your wildest dreams yeah, that uh, that that understates the matter. I mean, I was watching this same team lose in brutal fashion every other night from the beginning of the season in October to the middle of January. And because of that, much of this playoff run has felt like a dream, but you're also waiting for it to end. It's kind of like, you know, the Celtics are not underdogs by any stretch of the imagination when you look at what, who they have on paper and all that stuff. And obviously the Celtics historically have been a very successful franchise, what have you, but it kind of feels like a playoff run being made by a team that nobody thought would be here in the first place. And you're kind of just happy to be here, but you're also waiting for the kind of the moment to come where you're like, all right, this is pretty much as far as we got, you know, we had a good run, but uh, it is what it is, but that moment hasn't come yet, which has been delightful. But on the other hand, the Celtics have been to the Eastern Conference Finals in four of the last six seasons, and so it's kind of a weird uh, like dichotomy where you feel like the fact that the, team, the, the same team that blew multiple huge leads late in games, lost on just disgusting buzzer beaters up until the Knicks game and the Spurs game in January were two that made me watch stop, made me stop watching basketball for like a month. It was terrible but this is the same team that's making it all the way to the eastern conference finals and you're like wow that's pretty remarkable that they've managed to get this far but also because they've been here for the last six years it feels like falling short of a finals berth is now a disappointment which seems crazy but that's kind of where the expectations end up when you get this far that often and so every game has been a mix of like i'm very i feel very lucky that we're here but also if we lose this game we lose this series it's going to be another offseason talking about how Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown couldn't get it done. So it's been a roller coaster for sure. I love that my team is still here. I much prefer this to last year when we lost in five to the Nets because Jalen Brown got hurt and everything kind of fell apart. But having a lot of fun with it, and it really is uh, its a good sports movie storyline right now with the reverse revenge tour taking down all the teams that have eliminated us in the last three uh, postseasons. 
I'm glad you mentioned the run of conference finals appearances because I was thinking about this through this lens. When I was a kid, the Celtics had a tremendous rivalry with my Detroit Pistons. The Celtics were still in their run in the 80s, which went into the early 90s, where they were seen as one of the top two or three franchises in the NBA. And initially, I thought when I was talking to you, I was like, you know, Liam is 13 years younger than I am. I, he was not around for the Larry Bird days. He was not around for those Boston Garden magical moments. But when I look at basketball reference, I feel like this franchise has kind of been under the radar, which is unbelievable for a team with such history and cachet. They have made the playoffs in 14 of the last 15 years, stemming back from their NBA finals win in 2007 through 2008. So I am wrong. The Boston Celtics have been a juggernaut for a decade and a half, and you've been able to enjoy that. And I wonder somehow how this happened that we've been sleeping on them, that we didn't really notice all this greatness in plain sight because they were unable to, at this point, to capture a second title since the Doc Rivers, Kevin Garnett won. What has it been like to have a team that's consistently competitive but unable to get over the hump when you realize that this team might be the one to do it. You have all the elements. You have a transcendent star in Jason Tatum, who is etching his name in the top five NBA players right now. But more importantly than that, you have the embodiment of this team ethos, this commitment to defense. When I look at the defensive rating, their real defensive rating is minus five and a half points this season. Tremendous during runs a decade ago, they were in the eight to six range. This is their culture. This is what they are. They are hard nosed. How exciting is it to root for a squad that lays it all out there and brings the effort each and every night, because that is not something that you can say about every NBA team every year. And it's certainly not, something that you can say about every NBA team for an extended period of time. Yeah, it's been pretty, I mean, obviously it's awesome to watch, right? I mean, last night was the first night that I truly allowed myself to consider the elation and joy that would come along with an NBA championship run. And it felt great. Everybody knows, or well, anybody, everybody who's had the pleasure of watching one of their teams win a title knows that feeling of like coming to the realization that you're, team has a legit shot at that and it's obviously nothing's guaranteed the Celtics you know still have to win a couple of games but like going up 3-2 in the conference finals it's hard not to imagine and especially the, you spoke about the ethos and kind of the grittiness of the team and everything coming together it's crazy because that's not what they looked like in the earlier season but Ime Udoka really has spoken to these guys and I think that it feels overall like a very natural culmination to the narrative after all those years of making the playoffs but never making any noise because after the KG Pierce uh, Allen era ended the Celtics became the eternally plucky underdogs who like inexplicably got the first seed in the Eastern Conference because Brad Stevens was smart and Isaiah Thomas was having crazy years or we'd end up make getting to the conference finals just because we 
just meshed at the right time and you would never never felt like you had a chance I'm sure a large part of that was the presence of a one LeBron James and I think that a larger uh, psyche analysis of what just him being in the Easter conference meant for everybody else's expectations is, would be a very interesting dissertation to write. But now the Celtics LeBron is gone. There are two young studs that are like 100% a to B remnant from the Pierce Garnett Allen era because of the Brooklyn Nets trade. They're kind of growing older. They're going through all the teams that stomped them. I mean, it, you know, sports tends to follow some kind of narrative. It's why sports movies are so awesome when they're, especially when they're based on true stories, because sometimes it feels storybook. And right now it feels a little storybook for the Celtics from pretty much every angle, except for the fact that they are the Boston Celtics, one of the most famous basketball franchises in history. And they aren't exactly the plucky, you know, uh, nobody would have expected them to get this far sort of team. Even if this particular squad did not look like it was going to get anywhere past the play in four months ago. There are surprises up and down the roster. Derek White, I'll throw him out there. But what is the biggest one as you look at all of these players who are performing at a level that is perhaps higher than even you know, the most optimistic fans' wildest dreams. If you had to pick one player that has shocked you the most with their competence in the postseason, who would it be and why? I mean, I got to go with Grant Williams just because this guy looked unplayable last year. And last year was, you know, a bad year for a lot of teams. The Celtics are no exception. But Grant Williams was shooting 32% from three. He was too uh, slow to guard uh, like wings and too small to guard centers. And it looked like Danny Ainge did it again, whiffed on a draft pick in the twenties with a guy who has all the potential in the world, but he doesn't. And then he comes to this year and he's literally had a 50, 40, 90 season. I mean, from a power forward out of Tennessee who had no shooting prowess in college outside of 10 feet. It's crazy. And I mean, and then you get to the point where he wins a game seven, for his team going seven of 18 from three against the bucks grant williams the number 22 or 23 overall pick in the 2019 nba draft hit seven threes against the defending champions to move on to the eastern conference finals one year after there was a lot of noise that he wasn't fitting in with how the lineup works he would didn't he was too much of a tweener I mean, there are a million reasons why this guy shouldn't have worked out. And instead, he got his body to the exact right equilibrium of strength and mobility that allows him to switch onto anybody while still holding his own down on the block. And then inexplicably, after missing his first 25 career threes, after shooting very, very poorly from deep for years, he walks in in the 2021-22 NBA season and becomes a 40% three-point shooter. Have you purchased your Robert Williams jersey yet, or will that be something that's done in the offseason? Because when you watch the way that he impacts the defensive end of the court, it's kind of transcendent. It's not even that he has to be the on-ball defender. It's just that he has to be in the general area. He's reverted Bam Adebayo back to his former self, someone who's afraid to shoot, someone who's afraid to be aggressive. And I can't sit here this morning and describe it any other way than say the Miami heat looks scared when Robert Williams is on the court and his ability to get back on it 
I think is the primary factor why the Celtics lead this series. He is the primary factor where I think they do have a puncher's chance against the Golden State Warriors if they get there. What has his ascension been like and how far ahead of schedule do you see him? Well, to answer your first question, that uh, jersey purchase will be coming in the offseason because I've been wearing my Jalen Brown jersey for this entire playoff run, and you do not mess with the equilibrium. You do not mess with the karma. Everybody knows that. But watching Robert Williams become this kind of player and reaching every bit of the potential that he's flashed in his like two or three minute stretches over the last couple of years has been a lot of fun because everybody knew the guy could jump through the freaking roof when he was coming out of Texas A&M and he had some real I mean he has like a 10 minute highlight reel volleyball spike blocks and it's awesome but he just was a very stereotypical you know very springy athlete who appeared to have zero instincts whatsoever and you want that guy to be great but how often do those guys work out right and then suddenly Robert Williams last year, he's getting better, but he's not there yet. Then this year he comes in and Emi Odoka makes the decision to actually put Al Horford on centers and put Williams on whoever's slot, uh, spotting up in the corner so that he can basically play the free safety role that allowed Giannis Antetokounmpo to win two straight defensive player of the year awards. And suddenly this guy is freaking awesome. I mean, it's just incredible how his instincts have developed, especially. He's always had an incredible nose for the ball, but he was awful with foul trouble and he would legitimately jump so high he would hurt himself on a semi-regular basis. And he's just found a balance that I didn't think he was going to be able to find as quickly as he did. And then to watch him come into the playoffs after getting hurt and the world is being introduced to the fact that he can block three pointers from the corner like he did twice last night. I mean... He's probably the best homegrown stories for the homegrown prospect story for the Celtics uh, in their like post Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum era, just because this was a guy who was as raw as they come coming out of school. And he had a lot of questionable off court stuff going on. And then he matured, he got his game together and then he just ended up in the perfect system with the perfect coach and is just awesome. He's a blast to watch. He's also, you know, it helps that he's visually one of the most fun players to watch. Everybody wants to watch Robert Williams instead of Rudy Gobert, even if Rudy Gobert is a much better rim protector. Jason Tatum, unbelievable talent, unbelievable player. I think this postseason has proven the number one metric that matters from all smart basketball people. And that's that he has that dog in him. He does have that dog in him most of the time. There have been two games this whole postseason run where that dog disappeared and he spent more time complaining to the referees than he did getting back on defense. But other than that, it has been an incredibly impressive, impressive, impressive postseason because the biggest problem with Jason Tatum over the years has been that if his shot isn't falling, and as we've seen in this Heat series, his three is not falling at all. He's shooting very, very poorly. He struggled. He has historically struggled to make an impact in other places. He was an okay passer, but not a great passer. He had the potential to be a good rebounder, but he didn't have that dog in him to go after the get after it on the boards. You know, good defender, not a great defender. But then he just kind of all put it together this year. But it still came in, you know, in in spurts. There was never. I mean, he had an excellent second half of the year that ultimately landed him a spot on the all NBA first team, which is a tremendous accomplishment for him. But there were in that stretch, it was maybe 
two, uh, like a third to half of the games were games where he really had a complete game where he made the shots he was supposed to. He made the passes that his team needed in order to win. He still did all the dirty work and he played excellent defense. Most of the time he got most of those, he checked most of those boxes, but not all of them. In the playoffs, almost every single game, he has checked every single box in a way that I didn't even know was really possible for him to do after watching him from his, you know, hit his first game winner in the summer league after the 2017 NBA draft. I mean, he just, he's put it all together and he's a little bit more streaky as a shooter than a lot of guys on that echelon of player, but at the same time, he's still pretty young. So you can excuse that. And at the end of the day, I mean, last night is a perfect example. He shot seven of 20 from the floor and yet had 12 rebounds and nine assists. I mean, when you got a wing who stuffs the stat sheet like that, who then has the potential to score 46 points in a do or die game six against Giannis Antetokounmpo, I mean, you can't ask for much more. The guy is incredible. And I'm really, really excited for him to, you know, he knows, he knows this is his time. He knows him and Jalen Brown know what it's like to get this close. I really have every belief in the world that they're going to bust it to try to get to the final. Not that any of this stuff matters because when you have a ring, nobody can take it away from you. But since COVID, the NBA has kind of existed in this odd place where everybody's wondering about the legitimacy of each season. Famously, the complaints about the bubble being an artificial environment for these people to play in, the Miami Heat getting to the finals, the Lakers winning it. And then the next year, the Milwaukee Bucks on a short turnaround going through opponents who were tired out and, you know, you don't want to take anything away from Giannis. You don't want to take anything away from that team because they were down 2-0 in the finals and were able to get the steely resolve in order to come back. But if Boston is able to complete this run, they will have gone through the Brooklyn Nets with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, a team of superstars. They have gone, they would have gone through the Milwaukee Bucks with Giannis in championship medal, they would have gone through the Miami Heat. In many ways, a mirror image of the Celtics and being a total team and being someone who, being a side that hangs their hat on defense. And they would likely go through the Golden State Warriors with Steph Curry, the greatest shooter of all time, and a championship tested roster. No one would be able to say that this was not hard earned, that the Celtics were not worthy champions. And I think when you consider those four teams, it might be one of the more impressive championship runs we've ever seen because no rest for the weary facing, I would argue, four teams equally capable of winning the crown. With my bias acknowledged, I'm inclined to agree rather wholeheartedly. Every step of the way has been a test of a much different type, but of a nearly equal challenge. You have the skill sets of Durant and Irving that you have to defend at the same time, even if their defense was awful, their offense is still an incredible test for a team defense to shut them down to the extent that the Celtics did. Then you have probably the most dominant individual player in the world in Giannis Antetokounmpo in the second round, who also knows exactly what it takes to win a championship along with Drew Holiday a champion and a gold medal winner. And then you have the Heat, who are coached by one of what I believe to be the best basketball minds in sport right now with Eric Spolstra and a eight-man lineup of 
very tough physical defenders who will get into the paint and draw fouls. And then should the Celtics win and should they go on to beat the Golden State Warriors, that is the final test of a team that was the dominant team of the 2010s. They were the dynasty. They know more than anybody what it's like to win a championship, what it takes to win a championship, and they have the greatest shooter of all time. I mean, there are no holes in that championship run with the exception of the fact that the Bucks did not have Chris Middleton, which I guarantee you will be brought up almost immediately should the Celtics make it that far. But as far as bulletproof resumes go, you have to imagine that it's as close as it's going to get because from round one on, they did not have a single easy matchup. And then you also can add in the fact that the conference finals games after the uh, after you can add in the fact that these playoffs are also slightly more condensed even than last year's because the NBA is trying to get back on a regular schedule. Everybody from every team is banged up right now and the Celtics are still getting it done. They're battling through their own injuries. They're battling through other people's injuries. I mean, it's as, you know, it's as good as a championship run as you'll see, but there will always, always, always be holes to be poked in it because that's really what this recent movement of calling championships illegitimate has made me realize is that if you want to really get down to it, every championship ever won has been illegitimate in some way, shape, or form. There is always a lucky break. There is always an injury that goes your way. There's always a bad call that benefits the team that ultimately wins a championship. That's just the nature of it. Everybody has to get lucky. And now that we're in the you know mood to do it, we can just point out how everybody gets lucky occasionally. And ultimately it doesn't take the ring away, but it is a blast to talk about, isn't it? You make a great point. And I think that people who do that just fundamentally dis don't understand the nature of sports. I remember internal conversations we had in Slack a few years ago when it looked like the Golden State Warriors were locks to win. We had an employee who was basically going to put his life on the line and was just assuming that the Warriors would win. Injuries befell them, as they do in sports when you're playing over 100 highly competitive games. Stuff happens, and the teams that are able to rally together to find a way to win through many different avenues are the ones that ultimately emerge. And it doesn't matter at the end of the day, the banner will hang forever. The ring is no less shiny. I want to ask you about being a Celtics fan, being hated. I'm happy that you're happy. There are many people who are not happy that you're happy and will be actively rooting against them. How do you balance rooting for the team, which you have every right to do because you're local. It only makes sense but knowing that it is home of some of the most polarizing, controversial, and you know, just aggravating voices in sports media, how do you go about that? And is there a part of it that kind of makes it extra sweet to be hated, but then also succeed? Well, absolutely. To the last question, that's part of what makes it so fun being a Boston sports fan. I mean, the victory lap that is taken after big wins when you know that most people are not rooting for Boston because Boston has been so aggravatingly at the front of the sports discussion for so many years, whether it's because of the fact that the teams have generally been good or the fact, as you mentioned, that many big sports media voices hail from the general region and like to talk about their favorite teams. There's a great satisfaction to seeing other people upset that you win. I think everybody feels that to an extent. I think from, you know, a, uh, a big league blogger perspective, it's more fun for not Boston to win, especially since people hating on Boston makes for pretty good content 
And usually when they're triumphantly hating on Boston, that is the best content. Also, I spent all this time as a fan of the Tom Brady Patriots, who became the most despised team in sports, arguably because of the fact that they constantly crushed the dreams of any new or fresh team that came up to challenge them and went to Super Bowl after Super Bowl and gave nobody anything new to talk about or to write about. So I'm used to it. Um, I think the thing about this Celtics run is that especially given the likely opponent they have in the NBA finals, should they make it there is that it's kind of a weird uh, situation where the Celtics are actually the new guys. Like when if the NBA finals end up being the Warriors versus the Celtics, the average fan will probably end up rooting for the Celtics, not the Warriors, Boston, hatred be damned because they've seen Steph Curry raise that trophy multiple times. They've seen Draymond Green and Clay Thompson do what Draymond Green and Clay Thompson tend to do in big games. They have not seen the Celtics do that. Nobody has seen Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown win anything of note. Nobody has seen Ime Udoka win anything of note. And people are inclined to root for the perceived underdogs, even if in this case, the underdogs hail from Boston, a city that loves to call itself an underdog, but in reality is very much not an underdog more often than not. Well, I am personally okay with Boston winning because it will make you happy. I know that others feel differently. I don't see any way the heat come back. I hope the heat don't come back from your sake. It would be probably the most disappointing result of all to get to this point and then blow it. I'm not worried about it. I don't think you should be worried about it. Hang in there. And hopefully we're back here celebrating a Celtics championship and you can annoy everybody who has an internet connection. That's Liam McCune. Thanks, bro. Happy to be here. Hopefully I'll be back to talk about more of my successes and maybe we can bring our fellow coworker, Stephen Douglas on, who hates the Celtics with the passion to which we were previously referring to. I'd love to have a conversation with him. Yeah, absolutely. And let me just say, it's been uh, torture to see the Heat versus the Celtics. It's the classic root for the asteroid scenario uh but you know you got to keep your friends close and your enemies closer so i guess go green go green mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.